give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. All right, we had to take the week off last week because um, Albert, big vaccination day. Congratulations to you. Um, very exciting stuff. I got mine today. I'm feeling good. I'm ready to talk. Since the last time we spoke, a lot of basketball-related shit has gone down in the draft world. Mm. There has been a lot of movement, a lot of takes, and uh, I'm excited to get into some of them. But this episode, um, for the most part, we're mainly going to focus on Baylor's Davian Mitchell. Baylor won the national title. Davion Mitchell, I feel like, is a prospect that a lot of people are split on. Mm. There's a lot of the draft world who is really high on him, takes his performance, and has bumped him up their list. And a lot of people are like, you guys are overreacting. You're crazy. You need to tone it down. There's a reason he was at where he was at. Let's Mm -hmm. be reasonable. We're going to get into all of that in a little bit. Let's give you a little background on Davian Mitchell, six two, six foot, uh, two hundred and five pounds, six foot five wingspan. Doesn't look six two necessarily out on the right. court. Uh, average fourteen points, five assists, two and a half rebounds, two steals a game. Was the twenty 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 one Big Twelve defensive uh, defensive player of the year. So, some good accolades, solid measurements, decent numbers. He's considered a junior um but he did have a transfer year so he he i guess is the same the age of a senior um so he's he's one of the older prospects and i think that's where a lot of the kind of uh debate about davion stems from stock watch preseason bleacher report had him ranked 45th he was unranked on both espn and sports illustrated He's currently ranked 17th on Tankathon, 12th on ESPN, 11th on Bleacher Report. So his stock has risen big time, big time. Um, I mean, before we get started, I want to know how. Where are you at with Davion? Because we t- we touched on him briefly in our last episode. Mm-hmm. Where are you at with him? <sighs> I, you know what, Corey, I, I, I have to be totally honest. First off. Appreciate the shout out. Um, feels good to be freaking vaxxed. You know, I, it's, <laughs> it's good. We were talking right before we started recording. It, it feels like normal life is coming back. And I know Corey is going to be going to a Bulls game soon. And I, I don't know when I'll be able yes, to go sir. to some sort of game soon. But <laughs> it, it feels good. It feels like the world's coming back. Baseball's back. So that's all good. In terms of Davion Mitchell, dude, I, I you know, the last, I would say, the last month in terms of his stock, it, it's it's really things have really, really changed and moved a lot in the last month, and I think it's pretty interesting to see. I, I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't watching like loads and loads of Big Twelve basketball. I think yeah. I've really paid attention to Davion Mitchell in the last like six to eight weeks, um, and you know, a, a lot of it kind of started with me watching or well, kind of looking out for Jared Butler. And we'll talk mm. about Jerry Butler eventually too. But, you know, as I watched more Baylor, I realized like, holy crap, this Mitchell kid is really good. And yeah. something that we talked about in the last pod is that when you see the 45 on his back uh, and you see his last name, you're kind of like, oh, what the hell's going on here? You know, like, yeah, right. what, what is this? You know, and I'm sure we'll talk about the comps later too. But I think a good place to start for me, um, Corey, I think I've been really, really impressed with him and just looking at his numbers and the progression and how he's improved over his three years at Baylor. I know he started off at Auburn, transferred to Baylor. Um, there's a lot to like. And just in terms of the eye test, the first thing that pops off to me is the competitive nature that, that, that the guy has. Absolute yeah. dog. Just an absolute – like, Corey, I know how much you love Jimmy Butler and you love how crazy he is and the competitive energy and the fire that Jimmy Butler has. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say that it's equal, but Davion Mitchell is a dog. He's an yeah. absolute dog, and that's the first thing that pops out to me for sure. Yeah, he is competitive AF. You know, there mm-hmm. was uh, a moment, I think there was like two minutes left in the title game, 
and yes. I think he had like an N1 and, uh, and he, it, it wasn't called or anything, but he just screamed. It was so audibly loud that you could hear him scream N1, which is nothing, you know, a lot of players do that. But he was just like, yo, this N1 is basically me telling you that this game is over. We are the champions. You guys need to get ready to go home. You're mm-hmm. you're defeated. Um, he's competitive, man. He gets after you. I mean, like, running through his strengths. All right. Uh, in, in my notes, defense, all caps. Right. There's no better way to talk about your competitiveness than with the defensive side of the ball. If you are a truly competitive basketball player, you are a defender. You're a guy who is like, yo, you're not scoring on me. I'm taking this assignment personally, right? Mm-hmm. I'm clamping you up. I'm locking you up. And he he's all about it you know like defensively forget about the competitiveness for a minute which is something mm-hmm. obviously he has in spades just his the way that he moves on the defensive side of the ball is right. i think elite he has elite footwork elite lateral quickness he's strong as fuck strong he is just a, you know like he's a he's a uh just a monster defender you know he's great off the ball I mean, he's one of the better defenders at the point guard position. I think that we've had in a while. Um, right. I'm trying to, off the top of my head, like, is, is there anybody who sticks out at you as, you know, kind of a better defender just right off the top of your head um, from that spot over the last couple of drafts? So I don't know about a better defender. And so actually, this is not, not even from a recent draft. But when you watch Davion Mitchell guard, the way that he's so compact and strong and uses like that center of gravity so well. Mm. I, look, I, I the, people might say I'm crazy. People might say it's a stretch, but just defensively, I'm not talking about the offensive package. <laughs> there's some CP3 to him. He's kind of like a mm. like a fire hydrant. It's hard to move him. As you mentioned, he moves well, so well laterally, but also he does this thing where he's so strong in his upper body and lower body that's like as you're trying to get by him, he'll just so naturally move you off of where you want to be with his strength. And that reminds me of CP3 because that compact strength and hard to move aspect, you see a lot of that in Davion. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting defensive comp because obviously you know cp3 is a guy that everybody believes is a good defender and has been a a great defender over the years um and he's like chris paul is probably not his listed height either (laughs) you know like chris paul is definitely shorter than whatever they list him at um but he's managed he's also one of the the smartest basketball players that we've ever had step on a court so he's been able to have a incredibly long career even as his speed has diminished but right davian's not at that point of his career davian's got that same all those defensive instincts the center of gravity the strength like you said the way he beats you to your spot um, that's, that's interesting. I mean, th- what's so fun about Davion, there are a lot of different shades of different players mm-hmm. in his game. And obviously the most popular one we mentioned, it's the number, it's the last name. It's some of the other stuff, like his footwork stepping into a shot, uh, is, is the Donovan Mitchell. I'm probably going to confuse Donovan Mitchell, Davion Mitchell. Like when I'm just speaking in general, a hundred million times over the next 10 years, uh, mm-hmm. because they're so close, but He's got a little bit of that. My favorite one, and you mentioned it, you were the first person I heard mention it, was Kemba. He has a lot of Kemba to his game in the way that he gets, like his shot kind of looks like Kemba, the way Mm. he gets to his pull-up, just the quick, I I mean, you combine Kemba and and Donovan's kind of uh, handle and and the way that they stop on a dime to get to their pull-ups, like there's a lot of both of those guys. And, um, and I think the Kemba conversation is going to start becoming more of a, a more national comp, I think as, as the process goes on. So kudos to you. Cause I think you were the first one uh, as far as I know, who, who made that comp. And uh, I mean, even like their games aren't totally similar, but mm-hmm. just from a, the perspective of like strength, athleticism, defense, smaller guard like i think kind of lower end kind of guy if you're not like oh why are we talking about chris paul why are we talking about kemba why are we talking about donovan mitchell like eric bledsoe is a guy too yeah. you know like eric bledsoe is a guy who all right let's say 
Davion never gets to the, that kind of superstar level, which is a very realistic possibility given that most players don't ever reach those levels. Mm-hmm. You know, you could still be getting yourself a prospect, in my opinion, that could have an impact like an Eric Bledsoe. And Eric Bledsoe's had some trouble in the playoffs, but the guy's been on a bunch of winning teams and very clearly has the the tools and the game that has been able to thrive in the NBA. So right. I, I think when you're just looking around the NBA for guys that you're like, who does this play style resemble? I, I think that he kind of fits an archetype of, of guys that are currently thriving in the league. Yeah. Yeah. I dude, I totally agree. I, I think when just to kind of like give a little background on why I even mentioned Kemba in the last pod is because when I watch Davion Mitchell shoot his jump shot, that's when I see a lot of Kemba. It, mm-hmm. It's eerily similar the way that it looks when they shoot. Yes. Um, and, and as a side note, it's, it's really funny. Jared, if you watch Jared Butler's jump shot, it's weird. It actually looks a lot like Emmanuel Quickly's jump shot. Like, you, mm. like, take a look at it. It's weird. Like, the form yeah. is very similar. Not to say that they're going to be the same players, but so when, when I think about Davion and I think about, like, the Kemba comps, Corey, I, I do want to say something. I think it's so funny when, like, people like us who love the draft, right, and we do these comps, and we comp someone to, like, an Eric Bledsoe. I think it's so funny because I know someone's going to listen to this pod be like, well, what are these guys talking about? How can they comp him to Eric Bledsoe? He sucks. I'm like, dude, Eric Bledsoe has received some fat contracts in the league. As you mentioned, he's played on some winning teams. I don't think it's a slight to be like, he might be Eric Bledsoe. That's not a bad thing. So I do want to preface all this by saying like, if you're a listener out there and you think that like Corey's trying to like shit on him by saying he's going to be Eric, he could be Eric Bledsoe. That's just dumb. Um, The one thing I will say, and I'll agree with you and that like the strength, the size, all of that. And also I think Davion's going to walk into the league already a better shooter than Bledsoe was when he walked into the league. And so that's exciting, dude. Like it, it's yeah. really, really exciting. And I think the thing that you mentioned at the top that it it's like it's like a blur sometimes when you see his first step. It's unreal how mm. he can use that first step to get by. And then the fact that he's improved so much as a shooter, that first step is just that much faster now. And so Corey, I'm I'm with you, man. I, I think there's all there's so much to like about him, and it's okay if we compare him to Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I, to to be fair, I think yeah. that most of our listeners are pretty like positive. Rational? Like I I don't yeah. I I don't think that we've we have like a lot of like haters listening to the podcast yet. I hope so. Um, so shout out to the listeners. But his first step, you know, you you just mentioned, it is elite 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 right. elite you know like one of the quicker first steps out of people that have come out of this draft in a very long time and you know there's another guy that is in the top five in Jalen Green who watching him you're like holy shit his first step is quick but like Davion's is quicker um he's just literally a bullet shot out of a cannon like whatever you know cliche way you want to talk about how he gets to whatever spot he wants but you just can't stay in front of them like without doing some re- like you, you might just be lucky if you got to to be in front of them off that first step and and that blow by ability that first step that elite ability is not something that every prospect has mm-hmm. so i think you know for me one of the things i look at when i'm de- when i'm looking at nba draft prospects and it's and, and not to say that this is an exact science because you know scouting prospects is art not science if if it was science if there was a formula then this would be easy there'd be no need for these conversations right Right. you could just plug it in and so it's an art but when i look at prospects one of the big things i look for is what one or two elite things do you have that is going to still be elite when you get to the nba level right not like oh this was an elite thing in college it's no what do you have that is also going to be elite at the nba level and his speed is something that is elite at the nba level even if he didn't have a jumper his speed is still elite at the nba level his defense is still something that is probably going to be elite at the nba level so to me right away he has two things that are going to potentially be elite at the nba level 
Does that mean he is going to fulfill that potential? No, that is something that is not a guarantee for any prospect. <laughs> like the, the LeBron is probably the last uh, prospect. Luca, right. you know, very rare. Are you like, no way does this person miss. Everybody has some semblance of, you know, uh, volatility, right? But he has two potentially elite skills. And to me, right. that's why seeing him rise up the boards to me makes a lot of sense. And, and, and that's, you know, to go along with, if you want to count his third, the competitive nature that he has, uh, you know, which I think falls into a little bit of the defense, like we mentioned, but yeah, his athleticism is elite. Um, yeah. And you mentioned that he improved the shooting. So he shot 32% on three attempts per game. Uh, last season, he's up to 45% on five attempts a game. So Not bad. big time improvement. Now, his free throw shooting, so we'll start talking about some things that he needs to work on, right? His free throw shooting has pretty much been the same year to year. So he's at, I think, like 65% um, yeah. on his free throw shots, right? Not I uh, not great. <laughs> it's you know, <laughs> certainly not <laughs> um, ideal. But so do I think he's a 45% three-point shooter at the NBA level? I do not. Do I think he's going to step in and be a 40% three-point shooter at the NBA level? I do not. Um, right? He's not that guy who's just like, all right, NBA line is here. I'm going to come in. I'm going to be able to shoot up the dribble. I'm going to catch shoot all this stuff and be an elite shooter. That's not his game, especially because of the shots that he's probably going to be taking at the NBA level. Some of those shots are going to be you know, off the bounce, and the more of those you take, the harder it is to shoot in a, at a 40% rate. But there's nothing functionally wrong with his jump shot. Right. Like it's not like his footwork. We talk about footwork a lot on this pod. His footwork is great. It's consistent. He's got he gets good arc, soft touch, good follow through. Um, maybe, you know, he short arms it a little bit um, on the shots. Like, but still, he shoots up good arc, soft touch. I like his jumper now for the free throws. You know, and you know, his free throw shooting is kind of there's two worries there for me as far as what he needs to improve on the first being the percentage. Um, but if you really look at it, like the variance between a 65% shooter and like a 75% shooter on the volume that he had is very, very minimal. The, the, the other thing is drawing contact, getting to the line, somebody that is that quick, that has that elite quickness, that has that elite strength, the ability to right. finish. Cause he's a good finisher, 64% at the rim. Um, he should be drawing more contact, uh, you know, especially, with with elite speed um against right. college players right he, i would like to see him at like five free throw attempts a game rather than you know he's at like 2.2 or something right now right but when you're shooting 2.2 free throws a game i think he shot 66 total free throws mm-hmm. um if he makes seven free throws so a third of he, if he makes a third of a free throw each game yeah. more than he did he's a 75 percent free throw shooter i'm not right. worried about his free throw shooting you know it, it's not like he's He's a big man who you're going to have to take off the court at the end of games. And with his three-point shot, like, all right, he's not going to shoot 45%. Let's say he shoots 36%, 37%. Are you not going to close on him? Like, defenses are going to guard that. You know, I think that if we learned anything, if I've learned anything, you know, especially from, like, LaMelo coming in and being a better shooter, like, LaMelo, I think even if he didn't light the world on fire as a shooter um, in, in the games that he played, I still think teams would guard him out there just -hmm. because he's going to shoot it. Like there's not a lot of coaches that are going to be for high volume three point shooters. are going to be like, just don't go out there and just let him keep shooting. Um, So to me, like even if he's a 36% shooter from, from deep, I think the shot looks good enough that you're going to have to guard it. And then his speed is still going to be unlocked. Um, And even if you give him a step, he's still fast enough that he can get by you, but he should be drawing more, more contact. Right. I, I mean, that's just something that, at the NBA level, if you want to talk about efficiency, how do you do that? Shoot threes, you get to the free throw line. So I want to see him get to the free throw line. Uh, his size, you know, he, yeah. like I, I mentioned, 6'2". I don't know. We'll see if yeah. he gets measured at the combine, but I would, I doubt it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I doubt he's 6'2". Uh, so it's, we talk about his elite defense. 
he's not going to be guarding Kawhi and Paul George and Jimmy Butler and, and switch out onto those guys, right? He's not one of these Swiss army knife defenders. He's not the Patrick Williams, the Isaac Okoro, who's going to be able to guard, you know, potentially one through five on switches or whatever, right? Like he's competitive, he'll compete, but you put a couple of guys who are six, seven with a jumper, you know, he gets switched on to Brandon Ingram. He's just going to shoot over him. Right. Yeah. So, which Brandon Ingram does that on a lot of people. And uh, I guess, depending on what side of the fence of the, the Ingram fence you're on, it could be a good or bad thing, but it, his size is like, he's a one, he's probably a two position defender and right. more so just a one position, one. right? Like he'll, he'll guard twos like Bradley Beal, six, three, like he can guard Bradley, you know, Bradley Beal. I mean, he'll try. Right. Everybody tries, but you know, just physically mm-hmm. he could guard guys like that. But that that's kind of his positional versatility is he is what he is. He's a backcourt guy. He doesn't have the size to go and, and switch and play the three or whatever. Um, and then age, you know, he's, he's old 22. I think he'll yeah, maybe 23 close to 23. Right. Yeah. So uh, if you're looking at it from the perspective of like, all right, is he already who he is? Does he have anywhere to improve his game? Well, we just mentioned a couple of a couple of avenues that would take his game to the next level. So th- those are my concerns. Are there any other concerns that you have for, for Davion? Well, just to address the stuff that you brought up, I think first off the age thing, I think that's where you get a really good comp to Kemba. Because Kemba mm. came in around that age too. He spent a couple of years, three, I believe he he came out of UConn as a junior. And when I was looking at Kemba's numbers in college, when he left UConn and he was a credible shooter, 33% from three, you know, mm. on five attempts a game. The difference with Kemba though was like the usage. He was taking almost eight free throws a game in college, which was yeah. freaking nuts and shooting yeah. 82%. So there, there you get a little bit of difference and what you're talking about, right? That's something that Davion has to work on. And I, I think he will. I think the thing that is a little different here is that Davion played next to Jared Butler and Jared Butler, you know, he took on some of the burden of the ball handling of the scoring. Jared Butler just won most, you know, outstanding player of the tournament. And this is a really, really good guard that he played next to. And so the circumstances are a little bit of different. So I'm, I'm, you know, Corey, we agree a lot on this pod. Maybe we should start disagreeing more. But um, <laughs> no, but like I, for, for real, like I, I'm not worried. Even the free throw shooting, as you mentioned, it's such low, low volume. Like if you're taking 60 free throws a year, like it's really hard to gauge kind of what kind of free throw shooter you are, which yeah. was. Yeah. Anyway, so I agree with that. I think with Mitchell, though, like I think, as you mentioned, I think he'll probably measure at like six one. Um, that seems to be kind of where he's at. And that's OK. I think that's okay. Like his strength is so crazy. And just one more thing, going back to the first step thing, when I watch him accelerate, it reminds me of like in his prime, Adrian Peterson, like, cause the Mm -hmm. size is there, but then he can pull away with the strength. And so it's like that combination of you're fast, but also you're so strong that it makes you faster. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I I see that in Davion and I like that a lot. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously I, I just can't ever imagine him like even like at his like highest ceiling ever being like a 45% three point shooter. Mm-hmm. I think if he has like an incredible season, even like an outlier season, it'll be like 39, 40%. And mind you, that's, that's really freaking good. That it's really, really yeah. good to be a 39% uh, three point shooter. But uh, you know, if he's at 35% with that strength and speed, you're going to respect it every single time. And so I, I, we're going to talk about where he should go in the draft, but I don't know. I feel like as the days go on and the more I talk about him, the more I watch him, I, I just think he's going to go really, really high in this draft. I'm not saying he's like a top five guy. Please don't, you know, guys <laughs> don't, don't, don't think I'm not crazy yet, but th- there's just so much to like about him. Um, as you mentioned, the weaknesses are there. He's not a perfect prospect by any stretch or any means, but there's enough to like there where you see him in the top 10 you know potentially it, mm-hmm. it could happen um but yeah yeah that's the biggest thing I, I i think and i just loved how he played off ball um where he was willing to do that the unselfishness to play off ball and to take those corner threes and to try to space things out and he hit those threes you know i was watching this game i think they were playing kansas state and he was just hey there are a lot of uh, you know possessions where he's sitting in the corner 
Jared Butler runs a pick and roll. He'll catch it in the corner and just bang that three. And if he's willing to do that and he can continue to grow, dude, we have a really good player on our hands. So, yeah. Yeah, you know what? His off-ball versatility is is awesome. Like, it, it, there's a lot of guys in the NBA who are going to have the ball in their hands. And there's a lot of coaches that like to run multi-ball handler offenses. So, like, you know, you talked about, like, the usage that Kemba had in college, which was crazy. And he, right. he, he got to the line eight times. Donovan Mitchell in college, um, he was a guy, he, he only got to the line uh, two, three times a game in his two years at Louisville. So he was a guy who didn't have the usage that he had in the NBA in college. And when he got to the NBA, which fit his game more so than college did, not to say he didn't make improvements on some of his weaknesses as well, but he got to the NBA and now his free throw rate didn't necessarily go up all that much from what it was in college but the usage did. And so he yeah. was shooting more free throws just based on the fact that he had the ball in his hands more. So that could also be something that happens with Davion, that if he goes to a team where he is bumping his usage up a little bit, that could help him get to the line. But, you know, the off ball versatility and the ability to catch and shoot, um, which will definitely help boost the efficiency of, of a guy like Davion is, is an important right. aspect of his game. And, and I agree with you. And, um, you know, when we talk about his draft range and you said, I don't know, maybe top 10, you don't want to, you don't think you're crazy yet. I like, I like the yet. Um, I agree with you, man. Like I really, I really like Davion's game. I just, yeah. you know, I I've said it before. I kind of feel like to me, like he gave me the same feelings watching him that Mikhail Bridges gave me coming out, who mm. was another older prospect from a winning program. You know, th- there, there's something about, winning basketball games and it's not like Baylor wasn't awesome last year like they, they very likely could have had the same right um you know championship run last year had there been a tournament right so this is this is not a guy who is allergic to winning he he's had a really really successful run at Baylor and Mikel Bridges had a really really successful run at Nova and now Mikel Bridges is he's I mean I he's going to get paid when his yeah, contract, when his so time, good. like I'm trying to think like, there's a chance that he gets close to him. Like, like I don't think he'll mil. get a max, but like, I think he's over 20 mil. Like he is the ultimate glue guy role player who has been advancing his game um, from like an, a one-on-one scoring perspective. And it took a little while cause he reworked his shot. But now like he's back to being a consistent guy who's playing lockdown defense and knocking down shots. Now they play different positions, right? Mikael Bridges has that versatile um, wing game where he's able to guard one through four pretty consistently. Although the you know probably he'd probably say one through three more consistently because you know he's slight of frame, and Davion's only going to be a guy who's really guarding one ones and twos. But it's just that winning guy who you're like, you know what, this guy's not going to be bad in the NBA. Like he's mm-hmm. he's just he fits what the NBA game is. He's going. He knows how to play. He's a winner it's going to happen for him. Uh, you know, that's, I don't know. That's the feeling I get. I know it like stylistically, the comp doesn't make any sense, but I just, the feeling that I had with Mikhail, I wanted Mikhail on the bull so badly um, mm-hmm. in that draft. And, you know, there was a lot of debate amongst bulls fans because it was like, well, we should take Michael Porter jr. He's the high upside guy, which obviously like, you know, those people, they, they were partially right. You know, because but the injury concerns were enough that he fell to where he did. So I can't blame any of those teams just based on the injury concerns with him. Um, and then you know there were people who were in on like some of the bigs that could possibly drop. Um, yeah. But for me, I was like, I really like Mikael. I want Mikael on this team. I think he fits perfectly with what you know this team is trying to build. Fits well next to Levine, all of that stuff, and you know. I guess now we have Nick Vucevic, the rest is history, but, uh, and, and Wendell's, Wendell's looks pretty good in Orlando. I have to say though, he's, you know, a little less pressure, but I get those, I get the Mikhail Bridges vibes from, from Mm. Davion. And I do think that he is potentially a top 10 pick. And, and I understand why people are, would rally against that and be like, he's been ranked in the twenties or the thirties for this whole season. Why are, why are we now seeing that, he should be a top 10 guy because just because an older guy won the national title, which mm-hmm. is typically how it goes. Um, 
And I say, well, maybe you just didn't watch his game enough. Like maybe mm-hmm. he's been a top 10 prospect the whole time. And the evaluators just didn't put the respect on his name that he deserved. That right. is something that happens, right? Like, um, and he got to show off on a big stage and he was a big reason they got out to the start that they did. And he was, he's a big reason that like you're slowing a guy like Jalen Suggs down. Um, yeah. So I think he has a top 10 skill set. And if you're looking at age as be like, well, he's 20, he's going to be 23. Like, how could you mm-hmm. draft a guy that old? And here's what, like, this is again, why the draft is more art than science. Mm-hmm. Like, what if you draft a kid who's 19 and he just doesn't get the game reps to develop his game like Davion did in college? Yeah. Cause you could develop your game in practice and in the off season but if you're not getting the reps to show it off, like you just might stagnate as a player, even though you came out when you were a, a teenager. Right. Whereas Davion Mitchell got to develop his game in similar ways, but he got to go out on the court and show it. So now when he gets to the NBA, there's a, a higher baseline of what his skill set is with room to grow more. Mm-hmm. And he's physically mature enough and probably mentally mature enough to step in and contribute earlier. So it's not to say like I favor one over the other. I think you have to look at it on an individual basis and, and be like, Hey, sometimes the older guy could be the right pick. Damian Lillard was the right pick. Yeah. CJ McCollum was the right pick. You know, like a, a lot of times these guards, like when you see it and when they have certain skill sets, they just work in the NBA. Now, you know, I, I was reading a, a Twitter um, group message today from this Bulls group that I'm in, and, and we were talking about Davion a little bit. Uh, and, you know, somebody was like, you know, I don't know how you would take Davion over Sharif. And to me, that's actually a really interesting conversation. And it's not one I think I'm ready for yet. Um, me too. But, like, I'm actually really high on Sharif. Like, I really? love his game. I love it. He's like everything I like in a prospect. Now I haven't grinded his tape yet, but mm. just on the surface, like I like his vision is stupid. Good. His passing mm. is stupid. Good. His handle is really good. He's a good finisher. He gets to the free throw line. The shots wonky or whatever. I get it. Defense is definitely questionable, but I do think it's, uh, you know, when you look at like the age versus experience and skill set. um, like that is kind of a good barometer of like what side of the fence you could possibly on. But for me personally, I'm on both sides of that fence. I like both of these kids equally. And I think that there's reason to have both of them high. I don't think you need to have both of them low or both of them high or one over the other, like however you feel, you feel that's fine. I think they're both willingly, like, I think you could put them both in the top part of this draft, at least in the lottery. Um, But maybe it's because, at this point, I don't know how like how many prospects I love in this draft out of the top mm. five. I, I think mm. the more I dive in, the more I'm just like, I, I just don't, there's not too many guys who I'm just like head over heels for, um, you know, in, in the, these draft ranges. And I think that like, mm. it's one of those drafts where we might try to convince ourselves that some of these guys have higher upside than they really do mm. based on, their high school stuff and yeah. how you know like age age and all of the the cliche stuff and i think this draft has a lot of those guys so it's not going to shock me if there's a davion butler uh or a davion mitchell or jared butler who goes higher up in this draft than you'd expect because i wouldn't be shocked if nba executives kind of felt the same way yeah. you know I don't know. That's that's kind of my feeling right now on this draft. There's there's a lot of volatility to me with this draft. Okay, so Corey, there couple man, there are a couple things I I want to address. Um, okay. First off, this might be the first time we disagree, just because. <laughs> and once again, I, I'm I'm not like set in stone on this, but yeah, I I feel you on Sharif Cooper. The the vision is there. I really like him as a passer. I'm just afraid of oh, it's it's a gut thing for me mm-hmm. uh, when I watch him play. Uh, I'm afraid to like Davion's not big, but he is built like a freaking fire hydrant. I that's yeah. how I see Davion Mitchell. I don't like how Sharif Cooper looks to me on 
the basketball court. <laughs> it, that, it's just a personal thing. I think yeah. he's a little too small for my taste, um, especially if we're talking about like in the lottery. But it's okay. It's okay. I like you. I think we both we're, we're going to grind some more tape, and I might come around. So that that's just my my initial gut. And I might um, go the other way. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The funny thing is, though, for me, I didn't think of Sharif Cooper. And at this point, I'm probably like leading the charge in this. But like I I, my mind automatically went to Jalen Johnson because every goddamn mock draft that I'm reading, they talk about Jalen Johnson like he's the second coming of freaking Ben Simmons or something. (laughs) And I for, for the life of me, I cannot see it at all. Um, And I'm really, really against Jalen Johnson. Now, of course, I've been wrong before. Don't take my words as gospel. But when I watch Jalen Johnson and what are what are NBA scouts? We talked about this like last week, two weeks ago, too. NBA scouts are going to look at Jalen Johnson and be like, look at the athleticism. Look at the potential. Look at the ceiling. He's so he's so young. Right. At the same time, for me, it's like, okay, let's talk about the athleticism. He can jump high, but he's also not that explosive at the same time. Like the quick burst stuff, like I just don't see it. So I'm not like crazy high on as high on his athleticism as other people are. But regardless, in this in this discussion that we're having right now, I think some exec is going to bank on that ceiling and miss out on Davian, Davion Mitchell. They're going to miss out on Butler. They're going to miss out on Kispert. But the funny thing is, Corey, I agree with you. Kispert, Davion, Butler, these guys are all 22, 23. They're all going to go in the lottery, I think. And mm-hmm. that is going to be huge because, you know, I, what are the other names out there? Book Knight, right? Book Knight. He's, mm-hmm. But then Book Knight's not a uh, one and done. Uh, who else is there that, no. that's in the conversation? But he's young. Franz he's Wagner. All right, he's still young. Franz, Franz, yeah. Franz Wagner, which I love. And we'll, we'll yeah. talk about Franz. He's, at, he's young, but he's, he's like. Exactly. He's as experienced as anybody. Exactly. He's got a ton of international experience. Right. So for me, it's like it's like this draft is going to be so interesting because we're going to see a lot of upper, upperclassmen go in slots that we just haven't seen recently. Like for if Kispert goes at eight, is anyone going to be shocked? I, I don't think so, and it could really freaking happen. It, it after could the last happen. couple of after the yeah. last couple of games, I'll tell you yeah. in my YouTube comments, a lot of people would be shocked if Kispert went. People oh, yeah. have people have talk about like risers and fallers. Just perspective on the <sighs> internet. A lot yeah. of people are way down on Kispert because he wasn't lighting the net on fire from three, but he didn't have like terrible games. Like exactly. obviously, like every like in the cha- in the title game, mostly everybody on Gonzaga struggled to an I extent. Think they're but, like, tired, but like oh, I'm sure. Yeah, but for I mean, for the most part though, Kispert still did other things besides shoot the ball. He still contributed in other ways. Mm-hmm. So for me, like it didn't change my perspective at all on him. I still, I still want him to just like. I wish his shot was like two percent different, where he just mm-hmm. raised raised his shot up a little bit, and he was able to shoot with more variance. But uh, to me, I, it doesn't change my perspective at all on him. But I think that a lot of people prisoner talk about prisoner of the moment both ways. I think mm. the way that Gonzaga finished and the way that Kispert didn't shoot the ball over the last couple of days, I think people have kind of flipped a little bit on him. But but the one thing I'll say is like, okay, fine. He, he didn't light the night on fire. The thing that I loved about Kispert was this MFR was playing so hard. That UCLA game, probably the most intense game that they've had all year. There yeah. was this one possession where I don't remember who it was. I think it was Suggs or Nemhart. They took a jump shot. This fool, Kispert, is down there in the blocks, gets the offensive rebound. Oh, it's on one a of the biggest possessions pit. of the game. It's your perfect box out. Grabs a rebound and puts it back in. And I, I looked at that and I'm like, you're telling me that this guy is not a dog? Like, I, Corey, I, I hear you. I <laughs> knew that this was coming. I knew people were going to be like, oh, he's not scoring 20 points a game. Like, what is this? Forget about the scoring. We know that he's going to score. Once he gets to the next level, that elite shooting is going to translate. For me, it's everything else. That dunk in traffic, the two-hand dunk in traffic, that meant something to me. That box mm. out and the putback, that meant something to me. For me, like, okay, maybe, I, maybe I'm riding too that hard. That side block in the championship game. Dude. Kispert, guys, if if you're overreacting to the tournament and you're going to say that Kispert is falling down your boards, I think you're missing out on the other stuff because Kispert is so much more than just a shooter. I saw somebody, I don't remember who it was, they comped him to Joe Harris. I, I like, I, 
I like Kispert a little bit more in terms of like, I don't think he's just a shooter. Not that, not that Joe Harris is just a shooter. Joe Harris has really blossomed in the NBA, but I, it's the other stuff with Kispert that I'm, I'm in love with. And so just going back to the original point, once again, I, I think we're going to see a lot of upperclassmen go higher than we've seen in recent years. And for me, I'm with you. I think that's exciting. And I think that's a good thing because, uh, you mentioned that draft when uh, Mikhail Bridges was there and Michael Porter Jr. was there. The Knicks, the Knicks, we took Kevin Knox in that draft. Yeah. We took him off <laughs> right ceiling, and that hasn't worked out. So I'm maybe I'm just jaded, but at this point, like I, I like the guys who I know are going to do stuff in the next level. Yeah, I, I mean, the Kevin Knox <laughs> pick hurts. The Kevin Knox hurts. I, I mean, but look, the Wendell Carter <sighs> pick hurt. Uh, yeah. The the thing, I mean. For it's got to hurt Philly too. Oh Philly, hell yeah! They had him I, in the I mean, building. That, that would have like that. He would have been the perfect compliment. He was a guy. He right like you said in the building played in that awful stadium so many times before. Uh, him. Yeah, his mom works for I think exactly. worked for the team oh, like in a gosh. very low level capacity. Um, fan would have been a fan favorite and just the perfect compliment to what they were building. And what did they do? They went on upside. And I was really low on Zaire Williams, uh, not Zaire Williams, Zaire Smith uh, in yeah. the draft because I just didn't see the shooting translating in a way that was going to allow him to use his ridiculous athleticism. And to be fair, he had a lot of weird stuff happen with his career. Yeah. He, I think he got sick at one point. Um, right. You know, he got you know injuries, stuff like that. But I just never was a big believer in it. And when I when they made the trade, I just I didn't understand it from a personnel perspective because I just didn't see the potential that I think a lot of people did see because he was a popular like um, internet prospect yeah. um, right. that draft. Uh, and I, I think above you know heard it missing out on Mikhail for the Bulls and the Knicks, who are two teams that are you know nowhere near contention. A mm-hmm. team like the Sixers, who right now, if you had thrown Mikael Bridges, now oh. who knows? Maybe maybe Bridges is gone at this point because he goes in, you know, the Butler deal or the Tobias mm-hmm. Harris deal or whatever. But like, it would have it, it it could have changed things because he would have been perfect uh, for that yeah. for that team. And, and like you said, you could th- these guys with potential that you might be thinking of taking over some of these proven guys who have NBA skill sets. And that's the difference. It's not an old, you're not taking, you know, we're not talking about like Garza, you know, Mm -hmm. like one of the, one of these college guys who are just really productive, but doesn't Mm -hmm. have an NBA game, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're talking about guys that actually have clear NBA skill sets. Davion Mitchell has a clear NBA skill set. And that's why I likened him to that Mikael Bridges type prospect. But, um I, w- do you have any final thoughts on on Davian? The the one thing I'll say is once as, as as we've mentioned there are a lot of Donovan Mitchell comps. The one thing I kind of want to pump the brakes on is I remember when Donovan Mitchell was in the draft. I, I was super into it just because you know there there were some whispers about about the Knicks being interested. Yeah. We eventually took uh, Frankie Smokes and um you know that turned out well for us. But you know <laughs> the thing the thing that I remember especially in the pre-draft stuff was that Rick Pitino was saying he was the best shooter he ever coached. Right. And I think mm. that means something because yeah. we're seeing it now that Donovan Mitchell is a really damn good shooter. I don't think Davion is at that level. Once no. again, when I watch him shoot, I see a lot of Kemba. But the fact that he has developed so much is exciting. And considering what do we talk about, right? We talked about the competitiveness. We talked about the growth. We talked about the strength, all that stuff. If you start putting those pieces together and you try to envision what type of player he's going to be, if he's improved this much in three years in college, when he gets to the next level with better coaching, more playing time, better players around him, it's hard to imagine that he's not going to be better than what he is right now. And so if we consider all of that and put those pieces together and say, hey, he's going to be a better player and he's probably going to get better at shooting and he's just going to get stronger and he's going to be able to use that speed in better ways with more savvy and more coaching and more experience. I, it's, it's, we're talking about a really good player. This is yeah. actually a really, really good player. And for me, Corey, like once again, you and I are not executives in an NBA front office, right? But no, some, not yet. 
if ooh, not, <laughs> I, I like that not yet but um it, let, let's imagine we were right we were nba execs yeah. and we and we had a pick in like the mid lottery this year let, let's say we had the eighth pick in the draft mm. it would be hard for me to ignore davion mitchell he would be really high on my board because all those top five guys will be gone by then and then it kind of is kind of a crapshoot you know we're gonna see book night we're gonna see jalen johnson we're gonna see keon johnson we're gonna see all kinds of names but it, considering everything that we've seen and the growth potential <sighs> davion mitchell's gonna be a really good nba player and uh, i i don't think that's a hot take at all i don't either and i you know i i'm i'll be excited for our book night conversation i think we'll bring mm-hmm. i think we're gonna bring richard from um Mavs draft and uh, the the locked on NBA draft podcast. I, I think is to talk about him because I think he has him as like a top five or six guy, and that's really interesting for me because he's one of those guys that I think like needs the perfect situation to to thrive. Where like I don't think if he doesn't go to a team that really fits his skill set. I think he's going to struggle and like you look like, cause he does, he does have NBA tools for sure. And he's got NBA athleticism. He can, um, fly. He can fly and which is, and he's a New York kid. Like I'm talking New York. Like he sounds like pop smoke. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like he is New York, which <laughs> I know, we both, you know, which we both love, but uh, I, I want to, I want to know what the guys who believe in him, believe in him. I want to know what they're seeing. Cause I'm, like to me, like I think it's a real interesting conversation. Like, I get he's younger than Davion, but like Davion to me reads the game at a way higher level, and, and that matters a, a little bit too. So when we start talking about some of these other guys in in that range, like I'm so iffy on a lot of those guys. I'm iffy on Scotty Barnes. I know a lot of people mm. are head over heels because of like he plays so hard, the intensity and all that. I'm iffy on him. I don't know because. Where do you put him? Oh, you put him anywhere. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> oh, he'll play whatever position you need. Like it doesn't work like that. He needs to find like oh, he'll be Draymond. It's like Draymond protects the rim. Like, I don't know. There's other things like it you can't make one-to-one comps necessarily. There could be shades, but like Draymond was a one-of-one. There's not like a ton of Draymond Greens that have come into the league since. Um so this, 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 I'm, I'm just Corey. saying this. Yeah. Ready? I want to throw this at you. And, I, and yeah. I'm really curious to hear your answer to this, okay? Okay. I've thought about this all week long because I'm a freaking loser and I have nothing else to think about. <laughs> but I, I'm serious about this one because, like, our listeners might think I'm actually crazy for this one. But currently, currently, this name that I'm about to mention is not on a lot of lists. He's not being mentioned in the first round. He's not being mentioned in a lot of different places. But you and I have watched a lot of him. And I think you and I feel very similarly about his upside, right? And what he can already do. And that player is Isaiah Todd. Mm -hmm. And for me, Corey, let's imagine, or sorry, for you, let's imagine I have a gun to your head and you have to choose the next 20 years, sorry, next 15 years between James Johnson, Scotty Barnes, and Isaiah Todd. Who are you taking? Jalen Johnson, Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes, Isaiah, Isaiah Todd. Todd. Man, that is a tough one. Gun to my head. Gun it's to my hard. head. It's hard. It is hard. Because I do like Isaiah Todd because I know what he could be. But if I am if I'm taking somebody strictly based on like I'd probably still go with Jalen Johnson. I know like I'm not in love with him either. But okay. he does have really interesting tools that, and I, Isaiah Todd does too. But I know that Isaiah Todd is a role player at the NBA. Like Isaiah Todd, I think we've mentioned this before. Like Isaiah Todd could just do what Markinen's doing for the Bulls, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. But I'm not sure how much more, which is good. Like I, I'm a marketing guy. I know a lot of Bulls fans are out on Laurie, and they can't wait to ship him somewhere else because the grass is always greener. But I'm I still like him. I still think he's he could be a productive player. Um, but yeah, like I don't know, like Scotty. Like I might it, next week I might say it's mm-hmm. Scotty out of out of that bunch because I it's like it's not like I don't like Scotty Barnes. I'm just not as there with Scotty Barnes as no. everybody else is. I love his his vision. I love his ball handling. 
I don't know. Is that that's it, right? Like I love his intensity, his passion. I don't know what else. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's it, right? That's that's what everybody loves about him because his defense, he's his positional versatility as a defender. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I love all that. But like, I don't know. Like he's how much ball handling are you going to do if you're an NBA yeah. coach or and your job is going to be on the line? You're like, all right, Scotty, go create. Like no, mm-hmm. like that's you're not going to do that. And like. Oh, well, you'll put him in the short roll. It's like, all right, well, can he hit a, can he knock down some shots to be a threat there? I don't know. Like there's a lot of, a lot to him that I have questions that I think a lot of people are a lot more sure on, but, and, and the other, you know, in different, like when I watched him in the FIBA tournament, he didn't really impress me much, but Mm. you know, that's a weird situation. A lot of guys don't impress there. Like Tyra Lewis barely played in that tournament. Evan Mobley wasn't very impressive in that tournament. Um, parting thoughts for me, um, Davion, uh, my guy Salim from the Bulls Gold podcast, you know, kind of just asked like where I think he's he'll end up in the draft. And I said, you know, I don't know how NBA teams feel about him. I was like, but I think he's going to be a mid to late lottery guy. I can still see him kind of, I could see him at that seven spot. I could see him going in the 14 spot. You know, I, I could, I think he's got that kind of range. I don't think it's going to be like, he gets to the sixth spot. I don't think he'll be there. Uh, Crazier things have happened, but I think his range is probably like seven to 14. Cause I think teams will be like, Oh, maybe, maybe Moody's, you know, previous games before the tournament is more indicative of who he is. Maybe Scotty Barnes is going to be a weird five position point guard six foot nine to I don't weird dude maybe uh Zaire Williams is a guy who knocks down shots off the dribble and has creation ability and isn't just you know this year's Cam Reddish you know I it could be all these other things that could NBA teams could think so uh I can't you know I mean I'm glad we have a lot of time before the draft to continue mm-hmm. uh on this path but um and and get to know these prospects more but as always, like, I, I just want to know the final result part of me too. Like, I just want to get there and see where these guys ultimately end up. But yeah, that's, I think that's going to do it for Davion. Um, you know, I, congratulations to that Baylor team and that run that they had. That was amazing, man. They were, it's, it's funny. As soon as that, as soon as they went on that little run and you were just like, oh, Gonzaga can't play with them. Yeah. This isn't like, you know, like if they, if this was a seven game series, like, Gonzaga can't play with them. Like they just didn't have that guy who could just be like, you know what? The team thing isn't working. The, we can't run every single time down the court because we can't get, you know, we can't rebound the same way we've been rebounding. We can't get the ball and and let Timmy go to work. Drew Timmy Duncan. We can't let him go to work um, the, the same way. They just, they couldn't play with them. Baylor, they, yeah. they just had like NBA players on the court in, in a way different sense. Just like they had multi, they had th- at least three guys who could just be like, get out of my way, go on ISO. And they knocked down their shots, you know, make or miss. It's a make or miss game. And uh, they were making a ton of them. And man, it was a, that was a fun, the final four was really fun, man. The final mm-hmm. four was really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's it, right? Yeah. that I, That's it for me. I think, you know, before we go, I if I had to if I had to guess I would say I think I could see Davion going 12th. I think mm-hmm. that feels like a nice number there. Like yeah. just Davion Mitchell that, that goes 12th. range. Yeah, yeah, I could see <laughs> that. That range. Yep. Um, yeah, for sure, man. Something that I think is going to be exciting for us to talk about eventually, Johnny Juzang. I can't wait to yeah. have that conversation yeah. with you and that's going to be a lot of fun, but uh yeah, it's pretty much it for me. All right, man. Uh this was fun. New prospect as always next week um, and whatever, whatever multiple directions we, uh, we end up with. So uh, it's been real guys. See you next week. Peace. Peace.